Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John. And we're going to be reading in John chapter 21. And you may stand with me and we'll read the first part of John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. So when we read he showed himself at the Sea of Tiberias, that is the same as the Sea of Galilee, and it's called Tiberias because of the emperor over the Roman Empire. So it goes by various names, but this this is another name for the Sea of Galilee. So this was the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did many miracles. So uh, I also wish you to note that we do not know when this took place, uh, this, this story that John is going to relay to us. Uh, but he goes on to tell us there were together um, and I should say we know it's after the resurrection of Jesus, but we don't, cannot pinpoint the exact time. Uh, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, which means twin, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? Some, uh, some say it is friends, have you any meat? They answered him, no. He saith unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals, there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. 
Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, this is a very sacred time as we look at your word. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, we want to say what you want us to say, and we want to leave unsaid those things that would not please you. And we ask, dear Lord, this morning you would speak to every heart. Lord, as only you can do, preacher can speak to ears, but Jesus can speak to the heart. And the Holy Spirit can work in with our spirit and show us our need and show us the things of Christ. I pray, dear Lord, for that blessing this morning, for the the precious privilege of having audience with the risen Lord. We ask, dear Lord, that you would continue to help us in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated for the message. And so as we come to this part of John's gospel, uh, John is the latest writer of a gospel. His is the fourth, his is the last. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, John, of course, uh, was an apostle of the Lord, and, uh, and as such, uh, he and Matthew are the two that are apostles. Uh, John is the last one writing. Uh, Others have been martyred. They have died for their faith. Um, And John has been through a lot himself, uh, being banished to the Isle of Patmos and suffering uh, persecution and no doubt beatings and so forth. Uh, So uh, when, when we look at at this portion of scripture, uh, if you would, if you would look back at chapter twenty and verses thirty and thirty-one, it looks like that he is ending his gospel there, in chapter twenty, and verses thirty and thirty-one, because he says this, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So he's, he's given signs in these foregoing chapters up through verse, uh, through chapter 20 uh, that say, These are things that Jesus did that nobody else could do. And these are signs. These are are indications that Jesus is who he said he is. That he said he is the Son of God, 
and I want to present these various miracles that he did that will prove to you that he was like no other. Nobody else could do what he did. And I want you to come to faith in him. That's why John said, I have written this book so that you will read it and you will see that he is who he said and you will come to know as I know, as I, John, know that Jesus is the promised one to come. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. I want you to be assured of this. That's why I've written this. So it looks like uh, almost a conclusion to the book of John. And then he goes on into chapter 21. Uh, he had, at the beginning of his gospel, he had a, a prologue. And that, you know, if, you, if you're not into books and things like that, that may not mean a whole lot to you. It would be an introduction. Uh, he starts his book off, his gospel off, different than any of the other gospels. He goes back to when before, before time. He goes back to when it was, it was just the Trinity, just uh, the, just the divine Godhead that uh, is, is making the plans for how things are going to go. Uh, so he says in the first verse of his book, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So in other words, Jesus is everlasting as God is everlasting because Jesus is God. And many of the things that we read about that were done in creation were done by Christ is what we are told. Now all that, I mean, you, there are people studying these things, uh, people in, in universities and seminaries that study these things and pull out little little tidbits of information. Uh, we're not trying to do that this morning. Just want you to know that there was an introduction there before John gets into the story of what Jesus did. And then when he comes to the end of his book, he has what is called a, an epilogue. An epilogue. That, that is like an attachment on the end of the book. So when we think he has, he has signed off, that he has, made, he has made the case that this really is uh, who he proclaimed he was, he is divine, he is the Savior, he's the one who can save you from your sins, he's the one who can bring you into right relationship with God. Uh, when, he's, when he's made the case, and when there have been those that have fallen down before him like Thomas did. And you'd remember what Thomas said after Jesus rose from the dead and Thomas saw him. I mean, 
He knew Jesus was dead. And now Jesus is alive, standing before him. And, and Thomas fell down before Jesus and said, My Lord and my God. If he wasn't divine, that would have been blasphemy. But it was the truth. So John recorded those things for us so that we would know Jesus truly is the Savior of the world. And so we have, we have the introduction, uh, how Jesus was with the Father before time was, and now how Jesus uh, is here at, after the resurrection, and he is revealing truth to us. And so, uh, what, what do we look for in this? Uh, think about it. Uh, one of the things that, that we could say that Jesus was revealing here as John wrote this 21st chapter, and I, I, wanted, I didn't give you a timeline. Uh, scholars believe that this was written uh, between 85 and 95 uh, A.D. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a very late gospel. And uh, so when, when John is writing it, uh, Peter is gone. Peter is dead. Uh, the other apostles are gone. And uh, John is a witness. And, and uh, there's things that verify that John is the author of this book, that it is the Apostle John that wrote it. And so uh, there could be a question as to, uh, is Jesus still here for us today? Because if you read back in the, in the foregoing part of the Gospel of John, uh, remember uh, when Jesus showed himself to Mary after he came out of the, out of the tomb, out of the sepulcher? Uh, Jesus said to her, and this is in the 20th chapter of John, and the 17th verse, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brother, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and to your God. So perhaps there would be a lingering question if you read the Gospel of John to say, is, is Jesus still involved in our lives? Does Jesus care about us? Or did he tell Mary, don't touch me? And he went back to the Father, and now uh, we are on our own. Well, 21st chapter of John answers that because as John is inspired to write this concluding chapter, he is telling them that that is not so. Jesus is still involved in our lives. Now this is before the time that he took them out and ascended from the Mount of Olives and went back to the Father and they watched him go. So here Jesus is, is in the area of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, now you could find fault with the 
apostles if you wanted to with the apostles and those that were there that, uh, that said uh, when Peter said here at the Sea of Galilee which is really a lake of Galilee it's, it's not tremendous size uh, Peter said to Thomas uh, and to Nathaniel uh, seven of them let's go fishing let's go fishing well, there have been those that said that have said, well, Peter was trying to get away from what he was supposed to do. But remember, Jesus told them they were to see him in Galilee. We don't know what all was revealed to the apostles of the Lord in Galilee. We know that he, we know that he appeared to up to upwards of 500 at one time. Uh, we don't know what Jesus taught them at various times in Galilee. So they were told to go to Galilee. If you look over in the book of Matthew, <coughs> Jesus told them to go to Galilee, that there they were going to see him. Now we know a lot of things happened around Jerusalem, but Jesus' ministry took place, for the most part, around the Sea of Galilee, the miracles and all that he did. So he told them that he was going to see them in Galilee. And so they were there because Jesus told them to go there. Jesus didn't hold classes 12 hours a day, be here in class, or I'll mark you absent. You know as you read the scriptures from what we see about what Jesus did, he appeared here and he appeared there. Uh, they didn't have a set routine or schedule like they were, would if they were in university. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were confronted at different times at different places, which actually is a proof for the truth of the resurrection because it just wasn't one place it wasn't just with one group of people. It was with several people, and it was with uh, different times of day and so forth. And so, <coughs> the scripture tells us that they were there not by being disobedient. They were actually being obedient because they were in Galilee where they were told to be. Now, if you had spare time... You didn't know when Jesus was going to appear. What would be wrong with, as we say, wetting a line <laughs> or going fishing? What would be wrong with that? Uh, in this case, they were fishing with a net. There wouldn't be anything wrong with that, would it? They did, if Jesus didn't say, I'm, I want to have a meeting with you and we're going to meet at noon, uh, there wouldn't be anything wrong with them going fishing. And so the Bible says that's what they did. <clears throat> so they fished all night. Now remember, we have some professional fishermen here. Professional fishermen don't like it when they don't get fish. You know, they think they're in charge, they're in control, and they're supposed to get the fish. So they fish all night. 
Now, some of these maybe not had the experience at Simon Peter, but you remember, you remember Peter was a fisherman. He and his brother Andrew, they, they were in business. And so, uh, how about James and John? They were in the business too, weren't they? That's when Jesus called them. Uh, I'll make you fishers of men. And so, uh, they go fishing and don't catch anything. And now it's early morning. There is a, there is perhaps the breaking of the day, perhaps a little morning mist, and from out on the water they see a figure on the bank, and, and as they see the figure on the bank, they, they can't make out who it is, but they see somebody, according to what the distance was, it was about the length of a football field. Okay, it was about a hundred yards, and he's on the he's on the shore, and so they they see him, and he sees them. Uh, they have fished all night; they're tired, and they haven't taken even one fish, and so what a waste of time. So this person on the shore, and we know who it is, he says to them. Friends, do you have any fish? Now that could come from somebody that wanted to buy some fish because that's, that's how they did. People would go fishing and people would buy fish off of them. Uh, do you have any fish? No, we don't have any fish. Uh, and then a very strange thing comes from this stranger on the shore of Galilee Lake. He says, cast your net on the other side and try that. And it says, try the right side of the ship and you will find. Now maybe a light started coming on in their brain. You know, for one thing, how would this person know that we haven't been on the right side trying all the time. And how does this person know that we're going to find fish? It's not like he was way up on a hilltop and he could look down and see schools of fish there. So we are told that when he gives this command, there may have been, we're not told at this time, that there's any clue of who this is, but if you think back, that's how they met the master, remember? That they took a great, a great catch of fish, and they even broke their net, the scripture tells us early on. So he said, cast your net on the right side. So they cast it on the right side. And then, such a great catch of fish. John records the number because he wants you to know that he was there and he counted them. And it was unusual because every one of those fish was a big fish. That was not normal, that every fish would be a big fish. They caught such an enormous amount that they couldn't get them in the boat. 
It was, it was too big a catch. And so John, who had leaned on Jesus and is considered, is, is the one that the scriptures refer to as the apostle that Jesus or the disciple that Jesus loved. The scripture says that he said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. There's, there's no doubt about it. That's Jesus. Uh, now Peter is quick to, quick to react, isn't he? And he jumps in the water, but first, the Bible says he was fishing naked. Now does that mean actually with no clothes on? Or does that mean stripped for activity? Uh, you know, if I was fishing and I had other guys in the boat and we were fishing and some of them were naked, I wouldn't want to fish with them. <laughs> I just wouldn't. So I don't, I don't, think, I don't think we can say that he, it was the absence totally of clothing. But he was stripped for work. You know how guys do. They strip for work so that they get rid of the sweat, so that, so that they can work hard. And they had been working hard. But now when he knows Jesus is on the shore, Peter has a profound respect for Jesus. And even though he probably has some kind of loincloth or something that covers his neck, nakedness, uh, he grabs his outer garment and he puts that on and tucks, tucks it into a sash so he can swim. And he, and he goes to shore as quick as he can get there because he wants to be the first one to get there and see Jesus. There were some, there were some things going on here that you might overlook. When Peter hurried up and got to shore, Jesus was already cooking. <laughs> he was already cooking. He had, he had fish that were there being baked. He had bread. You didn't know Jesus could make bread, did you? Well, <laughs> that's what it says. There was bread there. I don't know where he got it. But I know if you read in the sixth chapter of John's gospel that he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. So he's the one that made bread and made fish. So he can do whatever he wants to do. But he had bread and fish already cooking. But you know what kind of fire they were cooking on? A fire of coals. A fire. It wasn't a wood fire. Did you ever notice that? It wasn't a wood fire. It was a fire of coals. Uh, we're told it was, it was some kind of charcoal. I don't think it was... I don't think it was easy light or any of that stuff, but whatever coal that they had, think back. When Peter denied the Lord, there were soldiers that were warming themselves, and the Bible specifically says there that they had a fire of coals. It wasn't a wood fire. It was a fire of coals. So when Peter comes up, hurrying up to see Jesus, maybe he thought back to when he denied the Lord. 
when he said, I don't know him. But Jesus, Jesus had fish and he was fixing it. What did he say to Peter? He said, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Peter went down. I don't know why nobody else helped him, but it doesn't say anybody else helped him. Maybe because they were all up there to spend time with Jesus now. But Peter goes down and grabs the net and drags this net up there. What about the net is significant? It's not broken, is it? They keep every one of the fish, and John says they counted them out. There was 153 of them, 153 big fish that were caught. So that would give them fish to sell for market. But they bring some of the fish and put them on with the fish that Jesus is cooking. And they cook them together. Tells us, friends, that when we work, we work with the Lord, don't we? The Lord supplied, the disciples also supplied, and it was blessed because they put it together. It also tells us they wouldn't have any fish if it wasn't for the blessing of God because they had no fish until they followed what the Lord said, which was fish on the right side. We have to obey him. He's the boss, and we have to obey him. They obeyed him. They got fish. They brought the fish, and the Lord honored them by combining what he had with what they had. He could have, he could have done it all. But he wants us to do our part. He wants us to join in. He wants us to be part of it. And so the scripture says that they did that, and none of them asked, who is this? Because they all knew now that this was the Lord. They knew that this was Jesus. So Jesus showed them he was still involved in their lives. He cared about them. He was going to reveal himself to them. And the scripture says that he showed himself this third time that John has recorded to the disciples after he was risen from the dead. So they have, they have a wonderful time with Jesus. And they know that he loves them and cares for them. And folks, he's still involved in our lives today. He knows all about us. He knows about our troubles. He knows when we feel that our lives are futile, that they're empty like an empty net where they tried to catch the fish. He knows when we're going through those kind of times. He knows when we're going through troubled times and disappointment, times of disappointment. He knows all about that. But he wants us first and foremost to put our faith and trust completely in him and to claim him as our savior. All these that went fishing, all these knew the risen Lord. In this day, we have to come to the point where we follow his direction.
and we ask his forgiveness for our sins. We ask him to come into our lives and take charge. No, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but it does mean we're going to follow Jesus as best we can, and we're going to make him the number one person in our lives. And folks, he can make a difference when we do that. John is the one that told us about the meeting of Nicodemus one evening with Jesus, came by night and talked to Jesus. And Jesus told him, you must be born again, didn't he? And folks, every one of us, if we're going to know the risen Lord, we have to come to a point where we ask Jesus to come and forgive our sins and come into our lives and make us the person he wants us to be. None of us are good enough of ourselves. None of us are worthy from anything that we've done. Yes, we can name others that are more needy. We can name others that are in worse condition. We can look at the news and we can say, look at how deplorable that person is. But the fact is that God sees us all as lost and on our way to hell unless we ask him to come in and make us the people he wants us to be. But aren't you glad when you do that, the Bible says, he doesn't turn one away. If we do that, he doesn't turn one away. Uh, I went to a funeral of a friend a couple weeks ago. He was a fisherman. And uh, as, uh, as I was at the funeral and looked at the brochure, you know, the little memorial card that you get, uh, he said in the card, uh, I hope when I, I'm before the Lord and he looks me over that he'll consider me to be a keeper, <laughs> that he'll consider me to be a keeper. Well, folks, the only way we can be a keeper is, is if we let Jesus Christ come into our lives and make us new. And, and we're born again, not of flesh and blood. We're, we're born from above. We're born by the power of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us that are following Jesus have to come that way. We all have to ask his forgiveness, ask him to come into our lives, and he's so glad to do it. And then, aren't you glad? This is one of the songs, the rest home, when I was having rest home services before COVID. They loved to sing this song. Come and dine. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Folks, if you've got an appetite for God, he can satisfy that appetite. He can come in and give you peace and assurance, and he can give you a knowledge that whenever the call comes, <clears throat> you're ready to answer here I am, Lord, and I followed your direction. Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat>